Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Alaska Watch. I know it's been a while since I've put anything out. I have been busy. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff uh, going on. I am finished with my uh, new book or next book. And it's going to be coming out here pretty soon. Probably in the next uh, two or three weeks, I'd say. Uh, it'll be available on Amazon first. And then once I get my author copies from them... Uh, it will be available on my website where you can purchase author copies, signed copies. Uh, it will also be available on eBay, on the Alaskwatch eBay store. Just, um, yeah, if you want an autographed copy, you can pick one up from eBay or my website. Those are going to be going up here pretty pretty soon, probably in the next month or so, I'd say. Um, really trying to push and get it out before the... Uh, Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference, because I want to have uh, two books to sell there. I don't know. <clears throat> I had to give myself some sort of deadline. Uh, I'm kind of shooting for uh, one book a year, kind of kind of a schedule. Uh, already got the idea for the next book. Uh, not going to be a Bigfoot-centric book. It's going to be a book of uh, law enforcement stories, stories from my career as a police officer. And uh, it's going to, you know, kind of be targeted i guess at a slightly different audience I, I guess you know there'll be some crossovers uh you know a lot of people that know me will want to read um all my books no matter what they're about i guess but uh yeah this one's gonna the next one not not this one but the next one the third book uh is gonna be marketed more i guess toward uh, police people interested in police stories uh stuff like that uh, you know, I've known some guys that have put out some books like that after they retired, and uh, I've always enjoyed reading them. Uh, I enjoy reading uh, military memoirs. I, I just got done reading uh, Robert O'Neill's uh, memoir, The Operator, uh, about his SEAL training and uh, where they killed bin Laden. Uh, I've read several books like that in the past, and I always enjoy going through them. Uh, you know, my experience in the military was quite different than what a lot of those guys, uh, went through. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of, when I got out of the military, I was pretty, um, uh, disenfranchised with it all. It was, it was kind of a, you know, I, I, I kind of looked at it as a silly, you know, it was full of busy work and things were just, uh, you know, done just to keep us busy. And, and we didn't really have a real mission. And, um, it was kind of, uh, it's kind of it's kind of neat to see how and I'm using my quote fingers here the real military worked, and uh, I often wonder what would have happened if I had gone that direction uh, when I went into the military if I could have uh, made it or not if I had uh, tried to get into special forces or something along that lines. I kind of feel like if I I feel like if I wanted it bad enough I would have made it no matter what, <laughs> but uh, I, I I do understand it's it's pretty difficult. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's going to be coming out next year probably uh shoot for around the same time of year around the summer um i've actually heard i think it's best to release books in spring but uh i, I don't know 
I don't think it really matters, honestly. But uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different book because it's going to be basically a bunch of short stories, like an anthology, and uh, it's it's going to basically I'm just going to write them. I'm not going to write them in any particular order. I'm just going to write the stories, and then maybe when they're all done, I might put them together in a particular order. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a unique experience. But uh, I think I, I seem to write my my best writing is me writing about. Uh, th- things that I've experienced or done myself, at least in my opinion. But yeah, um, great weather. What else is going on? Man, we had um, we had a great cra- uh, camping trip just here uh, last week. Uh, my wife, my wife and I, and we took our dogs and we went to our favorite spot, and we were only we only camped out for one night. But uh, it was a, it was a great. The weather was just amazing, and um, the mosquitoes weren't too bad. It was so hot, and the sun was just out and shining down on the campsite, so it was keeping the mosquitoes away. Uh, the only, of course, you know, nothing, <laughs> nothing can ever go a hundred percent beans his way. So I get there right, and I get there because my wife had to work. I left early, went and secured the campsite because it's the place where we like to go. There's only one campsite. Like there's. It's a single campsite kind of right on the water of this lake. And it's it's my favorite spot because it's quiet. There's never any people. It's the last campsite on that road. There's hardly any traffic. There's no people. And um, I've heard some some vocalizations out there. I, I've um, had some, some neat stuff happen out there. So it's kind of, you know, one of my favorite spots. Um, as I've said before, the activities really died down. It seems like after that fire went through not too far from there, the area where the campsite is, is, is fine. It wasn't touched by the fire, but not too far away, uh, is where the fire went through. But, uh, anyway, we got there <clears throat> or I got there and I got there early. I got the tent. I had the tent set up. I had the campsite set up in less than an hour. Uh, the tent was ready to go. The camp chairs were set up and, I brought my fishing poles and I thought, man, I'm going to, cause my dog, he, he's not a big fan of fishing for some reason. Like when you throw the, the, the line out into the water, he, he'll stand at my feet and he'll bark at the line. I don't know if he thinks that I'm trying to play with him or what, but he not a fan of fishing and it's really hard to get him to settle down and not bark while you're trying to fish. So I thought, man, before he gets here, cause my wife was bringing him when she got off work before the dog get here, dogs get here, I want to get some fishing in. And I thought it's probably a little bit too warm. It's probably a little bit too hot because the sun's beaten down, but I might not be able to do it later. Like he might not let me fish. So I take, I had two fishing poles, two, two is one, one is none. Right. So I grabbed my fishing pole, my, the one that I've been using for years now. I go over to the lake, cast it in, reel it in, cast it out, reel it in, had a couple little trout falling it in, had one strike at it, but it was too, it was too small to get the, the lure in his, in his mouth. And I'm thinking, this is promising. I might actually catch something. Well, probably on about the fourth or fifth cast, my, uh, my, my reel stops working. Like I can't cast anymore. <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, damn it. And I remembered that last year, last summer, it had broken and I had kind of like, 
I took it apart and I like fixed it, but it wasn't a, it was basically just a, a, a temporary fix. Like there had actually been a little plastic piece that broke off of the, um, the button that you push to cast. And I had kind of just, kind of just jerry rigged it, you know, so it would, so it would work, uh, a little bit. And uh, I had forgotten all about that. Like it's been sitting in the garage all winter. I hadn't touched it. I hadn't fixed it. And, uh, then I remembered, I was like, Oh, I remember I, I had actually tried to find another one of those parts and kind of like, I was having kind of a hard time finding another one of those buttons. And I gave up and I was like, well, I'll fix it later. And of course I stuck it in the garage and forgot all about it. So I, I fix it, you know, I take it apart, fix it, go back to fishing, probably fourth or fifth cast again. Same thing happens. It breaks. And by this time I'm like, well, I'll just use the other pole. I've got two poles. I'll just use the other one. And this one, you know, it'll, it's broken. So I go, I get this new pole. This is my wife's pole. Brand new pole. She bought it last year. I can't even get it to cast. <laughs> like it won't even, the string will not leave the reel. And I didn't even, I didn't even try to fix it. I didn't even look at it. I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm just I'm pissed. I'm done. So other than that, the trip was great, but there was no, no real fishing to be had. And that, that's kind of typical of my luck. I I don't know. How can you take two fishing poles, one, which is practically brand new and have neither one of them work. It it just boggles my mind, but we had, uh, we had a good time. We, we had a really good time. Uh, actually, um, I have this, uh, it's a little two burner cook stove that actually Steven major bought it last time he was here. And, uh, we used it when we went on our, our trip up to the Arctic circle and of course, you know, I do this too all the time. Like every time I go somewhere, I buy like bear spray or something. I have to leave it there because I can't take it on a plane <clears throat> or a cooler or something. I think every time I've left Washington, I've left like a cooler and some bear spray there. And I, uh, he, he left this uh, little two burner cook stove here and gave it to me. And I have, it's just been kind of setting in my garage since, well, since uh, September last year. And I thought, man, we're going to, I'm going to take that with me camping. Cause I normally, when I go camping, I only take like freeze dried food or like food that I don't, I don't take anything that can spoil really. I don't take any meat or, you know, like refrigerated meat or anything like that. I'm generally just, I might take like some pre-made sandwiches or something, or I might take like some peanut butter and jelly. Um, but I don't really take anything, any, any cookable stuff. Well, I thought I'm going to, I'm going to take this little cook stove out there. And, uh, we, we planned, uh, a couple, we planned a dinner and a breakfast and, you know, it's just a little two burner propane cook stove. And, uh, we took it out there and we used it for dinner and breakfast. And man, that thing is, a, it's a little game changer. Cause I never really, I was like, ah, you know, I don't want to cook when I go camping. I don't want to cook out in the woods. You know, I don't want and, uh, that thing is awesome. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm probably going to take it with me every time I go now. And I'm going to take something burgers or eggs or something that I can, that I can cook. And, uh, I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed it. And it, you know, it just sat on the, um, the table there and we fired it up and yeah, it was a new experience. Cause I don't, I don't typically like cooking 
on the campfire for a few reasons. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe if you haven't noticed. And, uh, I don't really like cooking, uh, from the campfire because one, you don't really know, you know, like people throw plastic and stuff in the fire and uh, aluminum and stuff like that. And I've done it too. And sometimes I still forget myself and I do it, but, uh, I try not to do it anymore, <clears throat> but people throw shit into those fire rings and you don't really know what, you know, your fire is, is burning off and what you're breathing in. And, uh, it probably doesn't have anything to do with the food. It probably just, uh, cause the heat makes the food, not the fire, but it just, I don't know. There's something about it. I don't like, it's kind of like, I don't like drinking after other people. Like I, I'm even a little like cringy about drinking after my wife and there's not really any reason to be, but I am. And it just, it's just one of those things I have. I have these little, little, uh, idiosyncrasies that just like, it's like things I don't like to do or things that I can't do. And, uh, I don't like people with like really long fingernails to hand me stuff. <laughs> I know it sounds, it sounds crazy, but it's true. And, uh, I just have these little like ticks that I don't, and, and for some reason cooking over a campfire is one of them. Um, I, I can do it. Like I can have s'mores and I can have like hot dogs over a campfire, but I have to really like, I have to really think about it and concentrate. And like, I am not going to think about what is in this fire. I really have to like make an effort and I know, I know it sounds weird. I know beans is crazy, but, uh, it's just one of my things. But anyway, <clears throat> I'm sure you're all wondering why I have gathered you here today on this, uh, amazing Alaska watch podcast. And you know what I wanted to talk about today? How many minutes are we? We're in like 13 minutes, almost 14 minutes. And I have just been blabbering about the weather and camping. Ugh, sorry guys. <laughs> I, I know it seems like I haven't put out a podcast in forever, which I guess it has been a long time. It's like, I forgot how to pod. Anyway, I wanted to talk about something that I don't know how long this has kind of been a thing, like an an idea, but I just become aware of it fairly recently. And I got really excited when I heard about it. And it turns out it's not, I guess it's not a thing yet. It might be a thing eventually. It's kind of like we had this, um, I'm going to go on another tangent real quick, but it's very similar because this is exactly what I went through. So I found out uh, here in Homer, we we have this uh, axe throwing place that just opened up and I got like super excited. I was like, man, that sounds like a blast. I want to go and drink some beers and throw some axes. I mean, it just sounds like amazing. Sounds like a really cool time. And I got to looking, uh, looking up the place and like finding out about them. I was like, I mean, I'm going to invite my, you know, some of my old coworkers and, you know, I'm going to invite some of my friends and we'll hang around and we'll drink some beers and we'll throw some axes. And then I got to reading about it and it's like, yeah, they don't serve alcohol there and you can't bring in any alcohol. And my interest in the place went from about a hundred to about a 20 (laughs) really fast. I do not know why the idea of throwing axes and drinking beer just thrills me, just makes me so excited. And then the, the pot, the possibility of, uh, throwing axes with no alcohol. I have, I can go out in my yard and do that. Okay. <laughs> I've got a tomahawk. I've got some hatchets. I can go do that right now. Like I could literally turn this podcast off and go outside and do that in my backyard. 
But um, the idea of doing it in a place, an establishment with like a target and, and somebody bringing you beer, like pitchers of beer, that really sounds like fun. <laughs> so I had the very exact same reaction to this, the today's topic. And I found out about it. And today's topic is the Alaska Long Trail, which I think I'm hoping is just a working title. I think they're probably going to change change it. But uh, basically, the Alaska Long Trail is kind of the it's the answer to the Pacific Coast Trail or the um, Appalachian Trail or What's the other one? Is it the Continental Divide Trail? There's a third one. Continental, yeah, Continental Divide Trail. Um, so the Appalachian Trail is about 2,184 miles. Uh, Pacific Coast Trail is 2,653 miles. And the Continental Divide Trail is 2,700. And those are like, what is it? I think it's called the Triple Crown of Hiking. Like that's, that's like... If you do all three of those, you get like a triple crown. I mean, you don't really, I don't think anybody really gives you anything, but that's your claim to fame is you've done the triple crown of hiking and somebody, I don't know who came up with this. Um, they should probably be given a promotion, <laughs> but somebody decided, you know, we should probably do something like that in Alaska. And so they are proposing to create a, 500 plus mile trail. Uh, I think they eventually, maybe eventually you might, uh, plan on stretching it out, uh, into a 2000 plus mile trail. And I'm going to, I'm going to read you, this is from, uh, Alaska trails.org. I'm going to read you, uh, this directly from the website. I'm also going to have a link to this in the show notes so you can check it out. Uh, but it says, um, with some of the most stunning wilderness in the world, Alaska is overdue in creating a world-class long trail. Uh, long trails engage visitors and residents in a range of activities from simple day adventures to multi-week bucket list lifetime accomplishments. Alaska Trails and its partners are proposing a multi-braid trail system connecting Fairbanks and Seward. The trail system will incorporate a variety of year-round uses along with different braids. The first 500-mile segment could ultimately expand to a 2,000-mile trail extending from Fairbanks to the Brooks Range and the North Slope and south to the future Southeast Long Trail, offering an alluring mix of trails and ferry rides. Many sections of the proposed trail already exist or are currently planned, and the route is almost entirely on public lands, enormously reducing the complexity and cost. So, much like the axe throwing house or the axe, throw, axe throwing business, when I heard about the Alaska Long Trail, I got super freaking excited. I'm like, there's an Alaska Long Trail. I'm doing it. I'm going to start training this year. And then next year, I'm going to do it. And then I realized it's not done yet. It's not even, it's barely even a thing. So again, I was kind of like, oh man. And they don't really have a, a um, proposed uh, ETA on it, I guess. I guess they don't really know when it's going to be done. I guess they don't have permission for everything. Um, I'm going to, they have a, 
a little thing here on their website of it where, I, where it talks about why why do you want to have a long trail? Uh, and it says uh, 3 million visitors a year hike a portion of the Appalachian Trail. It would be 100% increase in National Park Service requests for John Moore trail permits, uh, growing demand for hiking, 137 million in increased annual Alaska spending if just one half of out-of-state visitors have reason to add one more day to their trip. Um, gateway communities, convenient connections lead to more jobs, businesses, opportunities. And then they have more uh, here for why Seward to Fairbanks. Uh, momentum and landowner support, largely on public land, a substantial portion, 25% already exists. Manageable costs, buildable terrain, good access, community connections, more jobs, businesses, tax revenues. The Goldilocks factor, wild but not too wild, manageable logistics in the most populous areas of Alaska for both residents and visitors. Not sure I agree with that, and we'll we'll touch on that again here in a minute. Multi-season, multimodal options for summer and winter options for river and train-based connections, and the wow factor, mountains, glaciers, glaciers, wildlife honoring and celebrating the long, diverse history of these lands. So that is... <clears throat> That's a freaking long trip. That's 500 miles. And I was like, I'm going to do it. Uh, but then I realized, okay, it's not done yet. They, <laughs> they haven't made it yet. And uh, I kind of got like, okay, well, I'm going to. And then there's no ETA on it. So I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, because uh, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, Beans is getting a little old. Um, you know, the years of government service have taken their toll on his body. And uh, he's not as spry as he used to be. So I kind of made a deal with myself. If this, is, if this thing, if it's done, like done, done from the Seward to Fairbanks, by the time I'm 50, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the whole thing. Uh, if not, then I'll probably like do it a section at a time or something like Seward to Anchorage, Anchorage to Talkeetna, Talkeetna to Cantwell, Cantwell to Healy, Healy to Nanana, Nanana, Nanana to Fairbanks, something like that. But uh, yeah, I got super excited there for a minute. <clears throat> But uh, going back to this bullet point they have here where it says the Goldilocks factor, wild but not too wild. Um, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I, I think that, um, I mean, there's there's going to be people that get killed by bears on this trail. There's no, <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that. That's, that's going to happen eventually. Um, I understand what they, I think I, what they're talking about is like, you don't, you never are that far away from a major city or bigger city. But, uh, I mean, when you're out in the bush, you're out in the bush. Uh, and I imagine there's going to be a lot of this where there's no cell phone, um, coverage. I think I almost feel like they, they should uh, implement, like you have to have some kind of satellite, either satellite phone or in reach or something. If you're going to do that. Speaking of which I have, um, my inReach and where we like to camp, there's no cell service or, well, let me rephrase that. There's very, very bad cell service. And I got there, I set up the camp. I text my wife. I'm like, Hey, you know, she's still at work. Hey, I'm at the campsite. Everything's ready. You know, see you soon. And I didn't get anything in return. And I was kind of in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, she's probably not replying because she thinks that these messages cost money, which they do, but only if you use a certain amount of them. 
And like, I haven't used my inReach all month. So I'm like, well, there's, you know, it's not costing anything. You know, we're still in the, I don't know how many messages I get, like 15, 25, something like that. So I text her, you know, a couple more times, like, cause I had forgotten something. I'm like, Hey, can you get this for me? Again, no reply. And keep in mind, this isn't like instantaneous. Like this is over like a few hours because I have my inReach set up. It only checks for replies like every like 20 minutes or something to save on battery. And, and, um, just because I don't get that many messages anyway. So, uh, finally I sent her a message like I'm a, cause she's supposed to be at work. Right. And I'm like, I'm a little worried that I haven't heard from you. Like what's going on. And I'm trying to like, I'm going through in my head. I'm like, well, what can I do? Like if she doesn't show up by a certain time, what can I do? Cause I really don't want to like start tearing down the campsite and having to leave to get in the cell service to find her because I don't want to um, lose the campsite and I don't want to like maybe potentially miss her or something in case, you know, she's, or, you know, we somehow or another miss each other on the road or so I finally, um, I kind of like, okay, well, if she's not here by like 7 PM. Then I'm going to, to leave and go look for her. But if I don't hear from her by like, I think it was like six or something, or I can't remember what time it was. I, I had like some, some deadlines in my head or maybe it was eight o'clock. If she didn't show up by eight o'clock, I was going to leave. If she didn't show up by seven o'clock, I was going to message her parents and see if they could get in touch with her. And, uh, but in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe there's a problem. Cause you know, it's not like her, if I send her a message saying like, Hey, I need to hear from you. She'll get in touch with me. So I finally, like, I remembered like when I got in my truck, when I went to shut my phone off, I had like one bar of service. And I was like, well, maybe if I can get that one bar back, maybe I can like get a text message out to her. Cause I'm like, maybe it's a problem. My in reach. And now I'm like, well, does she even know that I'm here? Like, does she know where I'm at <laughs> if my inReach isn't working? So I turn my phone back on. I usually just keep it in airplane mode when I don't have any signal. So it saves the battery. I turn my phone back on and almost like immediately, as soon as it like connects, I get a, a text message from her. It says like, it's not letting me reply to your inReach, inreach message. Everything's fine. You know, I'm on my way. Be there soon. And that kind of bothered me because now I'm like, oh, great. Now what's wrong with my inReach? <laughs> so um, I, I texted, te- tested it yesterday and it seemed to be working fine. Like I was able to send and receive a message. But I cleaned it up a little bit, uh, hooked it up to the computer and tried to restart or recall, uh, update it. Uh, so I think, I think it's working okay now, but it's kind of made me a little nervous now, a little gun shy. So next time I go out somewhere, I think I might give it a, a quick test to make sure it's working when I'm out of cell service. So anyway, that, that was a long, uh, a long sidetrack that went nowhere. Uh, so this Alaska trail, Alaska trails is the nonprofit that's making it happen. It looks like, uh, it says they're working with local regional groups, uh, including landowners, residents, businesses, and users, uh, this more detailed work will be essential for smart decisions on best how to fill the gaps in the long trail system in addition to determining preferred routes and uses. These groups will explore the best long-term solutions for trail maintenance and management. And this is, I mean, I think this is an amazing idea. I think it's an amazing opportunity. 
and it sounds really cool. Uh, but <laughs> here, here's my, here's my concern because nowhere in here. So this is going to go up through Talkeetna and through, uh, Denali national park. My, my, as soon as I saw that, and as soon as I realized like, okay, they're, they're working on this. It's the, there's proposed routes. As soon as I heard about this, I thought, there is no way the national park is going to let them come through because it's going to be basically out of their, their, it's going to be out of their control. Basically the national parks control. They're not going to want to deal with the headaches. It's going to cause people are going to be wandering off the trails into the park. Uh, they're going to have to send resources in to help people that are, you know, stuck, injured, lost, etc. And I do not see a lot of pros for the the, the park, and in, in, in my opinion, um, because it's they're going to have a bunch of people coming through. They're going to have to devote devote resources to, and they're not really going to get anything in return for it. At least I, that's how I imagine it going. I don't know. Maybe they'll set up a little booth at the beginning. Like before you go into the park, there'll be a ranger sitting there collecting money. I don't know. Like a toll, a toll, a toll road, like a toll trail. Somebody's got to go back and get a shitload of dimes. Anyway, um, I'm going to read, um, this article from Sierra. This is a magazine of the Sierra club. This article says one day you might be able to hike, uh, through hike Alaska on a super trail. Uh, this was published in April of 2021. Uh, the writer is a Bailey. The author is Bailey Berg. Uh, it says Alaskans like to argue about which trails in the state are the best of the best, but in a few years, the list of options will have shrunk, not because the trails are disappearing, but because of least some of them are going to be compi- combined into a super trail. Uh, called the Alaska Long Trail, the route could initially span over 500 miles from Seward to Fairbanks, connecting dozens of the top-ranked trails in the state, including Crow Pass, Kasugi Ridge, and the southern trek of the Iditarod National Historic Trail. The idea is the brainchild of the Alaska Trails Initiative, a nonprofit advocacy and trail-building group. Last spring, organizers were looking for their next big project. As they poured over topographic maps of existing trails, they started wondering, what if we connected all these to make a thru-hike? The idea for the Alaska Long Trail came about sort of organically, said program coordinator Chris Beck. We thought, well, we could have something much greater than the sum of these parts. They knew that extended through heights like Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, that's hard to say, and the Continental Divide Trail in the U.S. and innumerable, innumerable others throughout the world had long inspired travelers. As they evaluated the map, they realized it wouldn't take too much effort to link up with some of the longest, arguably most iconic Alaska trails, creating a multi-week hike with offerings only Alaska could provide. One that passes by glaciers, through boreal forests and indigenous villages, and over stunning peaks, offering sightings of moose, bear, doll sheep, and other Alaska wildlife. More than that, even the most celebrated of the pre-existing trails traverse remote backcountry. There is a well-deserved mystique about Alaska, 
and that it's one of the few wild places remaining on the planet, Beck said. These areas haven't been altered by human activities. They're intact, natural landscapes. Right now, only two-thirds of the project consists of well-established routes or route, routes already under construction. The remaining third is what Beck calls less well-specified, less well-specified, including known but unmarked routes through alpine country and areas that have little tradition of foot traffic. Luckily, most of the latter is on public land, which lowers the cost and complexity of getting the necessary go-ahead from local governments. If all goes well, let's see, if all goes well, the first 500 miles of the Alaska Trail Initiative tentatively plans to add 1,500 plus more miles to the route with an additional trail continuing north through the Arctic Circle to the coast and other and another portion that could extend to the southeast, combining trails and ferry rides to travel around various islands. While the early days of the global pandemic might seem like a peculiar time to launch an undertaking of this magnitude, Beck and his team argue that the timing couldn't have been better. This last year has shown in vivid detail that people like to get out and are looking for ways to be active. Uh, They also think the plan could help Alaska build back stronger in an op-ed in Anchorage Daily News, former Alaska Governor Tony Knowles, an early supporter of the project and chair of the Long Trails Advisory Group, argued that the construction of the trail would create jobs, building bridges, trailheads, sanitation facilities, as well as acting, actually cutting new sections of the trail. We must begin expanding the foundation for a clean, sustainable in- industry, an industry that will support both immediate and long-term Alaska jobs and Alaska-owned businesses, Knowles wrote. Uh, Over the past year, organizers have been in discussions with various stakeholders filling in the gaps between existing trails will require support from land managing agencies, communities traversed by the trail and local government, as well as their active involvement in planning, securing funding, and constructing the infrastructure. So this article goes on for quite a bit longer, but the uh, part that I kind of zoned in on was where uh, Beck says that uh, optimistic that they'll see enormous progress in the next five years or so, which means that um, if uh, if the trail is complete in five years, then that means I would that would hit about the time I turn fifty. Uh, it says even if the trail takes longer than that to complete, Beck said it's likely that hikers will have to complete the route in stages anyway, coming back over multiple summers to pick up where they left off. The hiking seasoning is short in Alaska. Crow Pass often still has snow on the ground in mid-June. So that that's not really what I... I if I was going to do it, um, I kind of wanted to do the entire thing. I mean, you'd still kind of have to do it in stages. Like, you'd have to hike... Basically, when you hike to Anchorage, maybe, you know, stay in Anchorage for a couple of days, resupply, and then hike up, you know, to Talkeetna, stay in Talkeetna a couple of days. Um, the problem is, is, like, it would be hard to get lodging because you'd have to know like, okay, I'm going to, if it takes you longer than you plan, then it's going to be hard to like reserve a room. Like, okay, I've got a, I think I'm going to get to Anchorage on the 12th, but then you don't get to Anchorage till like the 13th or 14th and you don't have a room anymore to stay in. So that I could see where that could run into some problems unless maybe you uh, had a, an acquaintance or a family member or somebody you could stay with where basically it didn't matter when you showed up. But, um, so there's maps. Uh, if you go to the, um, alaskatrails.org website, 
There are maps uh, that show the proposed route and are color coded. It shows the existing route and then the proposed route. And, um, you know, I got to admit it, it looks, it looks like a lot of, what did I say? 25% is already there. It almost looks like more than that. <clears throat> the existing route is in red and the proposed routes in blue. There is a lot of blue though, the further north you get. Especially like once you get north of Talkeetna, it's basically all blue. So, and that's going to, that's going to be the toughest part too. It's going to be hard to, to finagle that. Um, like if you want to do the whole thing, you probably have to leave about the beginning of June and then you'd be going, getting to Fairbanks probably, man, in July, maybe about the end of July, August, which is probably the, the hottest up there. It'll be like 70, 80 degrees. That is, it's going to be a challenge. I tell you what, I wonder who's going to be the first person to, uh, to do it, to hike the whole thing. I wonder if there's going to be some kind of a contest or something or a race. <laughs> it's probably too dangerous. Probably, probably too much liability and something like that. My initial idea was <clears throat> if they get it done and I do the whole thing would be to, you know, do like a documentary of it. And I mean, no matter what, I probably would, would film some of it. But the more I got to thinking of it, I'm like, I can't. I can't, I couldn't do that hike and, and film a documentary at the same time. Like I wouldn't be able to carry all the equipment and stuff and food. I don't know, but looks like I've got some time to think about it and plan. So if you, uh, if you're interested in it, take a look, uh, that is Alaska dash trails.org. I will put a, a, um, link in the show notes. Uh, looks like they've got a little button here where you can donate. I think that I will probably be throwing them a couple of shekels, uh, just because I am, uh, excited about this. Actually, it looks like, is this not working? What's going on here? Hold on. I hit the donate button and it just Hmm. I'm not sure if you can donate online or not. Well, they said I can give them some of my PFD. <laughs> I have to look into it a little bit more. But uh, it's an exciting prospect. I mean, we really don't have anything like that up here. And uh, <clears throat> I wonder, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that try and capitalize on this, make money on it. It's going to be like little little su supply shops that pop up along there and they're probably going to charge, you know, $20 for a can of peanut butter. Um, I read a story or heard a story about a guy that was, I can't remember if he was doing the Pacific coast trail or the Appalachian trail. I think it was the Appalachian trail. And, uh, he was a little, little wiry guy and he was, um, hiking and he was burning so many calories. Like he was just hungry all the time. And he ended up, he had these like jars of peanut butter, and he went into a town and he bought, I don't know, like a, he had these cargo pockets, like these um, BDU type pants with cargo pockets in them. And he just shoved them full of Snickers bars. 
And while he was hiking, he'd take his, he'd open up a jar of peanut butter and he'd take a Snickers bar and he'd, he'd dip his Snickers bar in the peanut butter and just eat it on the trail while he was walking to get the calories to keep going. And, uh, that's, that's my dream is to be able to, uh, to walk and eat peanut butter Snickers bars while, uh, still losing weight. (laughs) Those, Those are goals people. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this Alaska long trail. Uh, I might reach out, uh, to these guys and see if they want to come on the podcast, talk about it a little bit. Um, I think it would be an amazing opportunity, uh, if somebody was, um, able to come up here and, and hike, uh, just a portion of this thing, it would be so awesome. And, uh, it will increase, I think, tourism. A lot of hikers, uh, will come up here and, uh, they'll, they'll try and get that feather in their cap. You know, they'll do the uh, Appalachian trail. They'll do the Pacific coast trail and the continental divide trail. And they don't want to come do the Alaska trail. It'll be a uh, staple of hikers everywhere. So anyway, guys, I'm going to put a pin in it there. I think I've rambled on long enough. Hopefully I uh, planted a little knowledge in your brain about the Alaska long trail, which I think they need to work on that name. I think, I think they need to call I mean, from what I've seen of it, from the map there, I know they're talking about expanding it maybe to further north and further uh, southeast. But I think the uh, Alaska Interior Trail would be a good name for it. That's just my opinion. But uh, anyway, I'm going to let you go. Uh, You guys have a good time. Enjoy summer. Be careful out there. I am going to be uh, out in the field next weekend. So probably no episode next week. Uh, but, uh, I think, uh, basically what I'm going to do is just summertime is going to be my, you know, my downtime for this pod. Um, that's when I'm out and doing things and uh, I'll try and get back on a more consistent schedule during the winter. But, uh, you know, summertime, you're just going to have to take it when you can get it. Cause, uh, if the weather's nice, I might just, uh, pack up and, and head out into the woods and uh, you might not hear from me for a while. So anyway, guys, uh, Be careful out there, and uh, I'll holler at you later after I go uh, soak up some rays. Bye-bye.